Lord God, you, uh, your love is so beautiful and you care for us so deeply and you have every second of our day, every minute, every hour, every, every bit of our year um, watched over and, and protected and loved. And Lord God, we thank you that you are with us every breath that we take. And we pray that during this time that we would um, understand more deeply how much you love us. Uh, to receive the depths of your love and, and to, um, to then understand what it means to express it to one another um, as you express it to us. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Please have a seat. Good morning. How are you guys doing? We're happy new year. No, no, not yet. Not yet. I'm not going to say it, huh? So uh, that clock, by the way, is a countdown clock to new year, noon year's eve. Uh, because I, I'm just done with New York taking all of the fun. Uh, at 9 o'clock, everybody says, oh, I already saw it in New York. It's New Year's. Go to bed. No. So we just moved the clock up by nine hours, and so now we're celebrating New Year's at noon. So anyway, uh, pretty soon they'll be doing a live feed for, from Paso Robles in New York City, and then they can all go to bed at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, uh, or 9, or whatever. <laughs> I don't know what time it would be there. Would it be 4, in, 4, 4 p.m.? Yeah. Well, happy 4 p.m., New York. Anyway, so today we are beginning the This Is Love series, and it's an awesome series. It's really uh, one of my favorite series that, we'll, that we've ever done here. And, um, you know, this, this Is Love, people ask me, where did the premise for this series come from? And it was pretty simple. Uh, when we have dinner parties at my house, uh, I have a couple of jobs. One of them is to, a dinner party sounds so formal. When people come over for hot dogs and hamburgers at our house with, for play dates with their kids, their kids run all over the house and all over the backyard. And and one of the nice things I do for those parents and also for myself so my house isn't too dirty is I go in the backyard and I clean up landmines. Do you know what landmines are? Does anybody know what a landmine is? When you have a dog, a landmine is a little piece of uh, turd. It's a turd in the backyard. And so, um, so basically, uh, I, have, I go out with my little doggy bag, and, I, and the bag is to separate the skin from the turd. Um, and then I go into the, there, and then um, my kids, there's see some kids in here. I'll say poop. How's that? Isn't that even funnier? Uh, so, so then we reached down, and I was picking up, you know, kind of the good ones, the not-so-good ones, and kind of like doing a quadrant section of the backyard, like try to like, every single piece because if there's a miss, missing one, I get it tracked all over my house and then people don't come back for play dates because they don't like what their kids' shoes look like at the end of the date. So I'm picking it up and as I'm picking it up, this, this like scripture comes into my mind. This is love. No, it's not the one you're thinking of, but no, it's a different one. The words, this is love. And, and, and I have a friend who said, I'm never going to get a dog because, because I don't want to pick up landmines all the time. And I say, that's why I have a small dog, so that my landmines are small. But my wife wants a big dog. Never, never happened. Not unless it's her job from then on. Anyway, so, so I'm picking up the, the landmines, and I'm thinking to myself, you know what? I'm not bitter about this in any way. I'm actually, I, I actually feel fine with it because I love my dog so much. I wouldn't trade my dog for anything in the world. Picking up landmines is no problem when you love your dog. If you're a parent, if you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. Some parent said, you know what? I know what you're talking about from changing diapers because they remember the time when it, there was like an explosion, but the explosion was because, you know, when you're changing diapers, you kind of lean the legs forward and the explosion just, she said, it just went all over her face, just like that. And she said, the only thing that can explain this, and she said she thought the same thing. It popped into her head. This is love. And it's a Christian thing. Only Christians think this. I'm sure of it. But... <laughs> 
Because actually I was thinking about it. The, the world provides such a messed up concept of love. It's all sanitized. It's like clean. It's like this thing that's like, oh, it's so perfect. And, and also it's so like, like connected only to eroticism and only to like, you know, like the things that just like get mess up love. And, and actually that's not the love that God is expressing to us. And the scripture, there's actually a scripture, we're looking at it today, and the scripture actually says the words, this is love. And one of the things that I love about this scripture is it starts in the book of uh, 1 John. There's a book called 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. By the way, my brother, when he was at Princeton Seminary, he said that that's what they named the bathroom stalls uh, in his dorm room. 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. Anyway, we could do that out here to help with memory verses or something like that. So, Anyway, First uh, John is apparently uh, written by the same author as the Gospel of John. Now, if you think about it, Gospel of John, John refers to himself as the one whom Jesus loved. When Jesus is on the cross, he looks down at John who is there. John's the only one there. And then his mother is there and he says, John, John, this is your mother. He asks John to care for and love his own mother as he's hanging there, bloodied, dying on the cross. And so that John is the one who's writing the scripture to us and he's saying, hey, you know what? I really want you guys to have a clear understanding. And he actually say, he kind of says, hey, you know what? I know you already know this, but you need to hear it again. That, that there's something that God is calling us to that, that if we don't do this thing, this love thing, then all of the rest doesn't matter. But if you read 1 John, it is the most complicated, confusing like, like maze of ideas. He goes through sin and he talks about doing this thing and that thing and how, how like we can conquer sin and we can't. There's sins that we can't, all this other stuff, yada, yada, yada. And then in the middle of it, he comes down and it's all great scripture, but he comes down to this one sentence that is amazing. And it's these words and it says, beloved, let's love one another. I love it. Let's just love one another. And the word that is used in scripture is actually the word agape. So he's actually not using the word. So by the way, agape is like a term like cool. Okay. It's like a co-opted term. Does cool mean cool? No, it means cool, right? Uh, Does not mean not? No, not. (laughs) Um, uh, Or what are some other words that are similar to that, that we use that, um, anyway, you can't think of them. That's right. So so what John is doing is, is so what John is doing is co-opting a word that almost no one used. In all of Greek literature, the word agape is used four times. Period. Nobody used it. And it was to describe a kind of love that was different than, than the eros, different than the philios, which is the brotherly love, different than the kind of love that was always talked about every day, to describe an eternal love, a, a transcendent love, a love that only comes from God. And so what does John do? He says, hey, what's up, my agape friends? What's up, agape? Agape ones? That's how he calls them, the beloved ones. He said, what's up, agape, agape ones? Why don't we start agapeing each other? Why don't we start loving each other? And so um, this scripture is amazing. And by the way, I don't know, how many of you, um, how many of you never want to make New Year's resolutions ever again in your life? Like that's, that's, you've decided I'm done with it. And the reason I know why, I know why, because you make the New Year's resolutions and then what happens? Yeah, you feel like a failure, right? That is the very reason I say it's a good idea to make New Year's resolutions, because you recognize your own failure and that you need God. And by the way, anybody who's ever set a New Year's resolution to lose 50 pounds, they'd feel like a failure because they don't lose 50 pounds. But you know what? Usually they lose four or three. 
But if you don't make a New Year's resolution, you're not going to lose anything. So by the way, just that's like a, that's a tangential thing that might change your life. Who knows? So that's kind of like what John's gospel is. He's talking about all these things like New Year's resolutions, all these things that could perfect you in your life, that could make you more perfect. But then finally he lands on this thing and he says, you know what? Beloved, let us love one another for, <laughs> this is crazy, for love is from God. Now, he's not just saying all love. He's saying agape is from God. And everyone who agapes one another, everyone who agapes one another um, knows God and is born of God. And then it goes on to say, but whoever does not agape one another does not, does not know God. Ouch, that's pretty intense. Whoever does not agape another person does not know God. He's drawing a line, a very firm line and saying, I got to be clear about this. If you're not agapeing, agapeing one another, if you're not loving another with that agape of God, then you don't know God because it says, and it has this almost equal sign. You could draw it in an equation for God is agape. Now it doesn't say agape is God. It doesn't actually work both ways. You can't start, well, agape is God. You can't say love is God because that's creating an idol. It's saying that God is, the very essence of God is agape. Now, with New Year's resolutions, I believe that what John is saying, he's saying, I want to suggest a New Year's resolution that's different. Now, my New Year's resolutions in the past have been like, I want to lose some weight. You know, like I want to, and then when I had already lost my weight, I'm like, what am I going to do now? I'm going to gain, like, you're going to get huge guns. I'm going to go to the gym. Uh, other New Year's resolutions have been, I'm going to finish seminary, finish my master's degree. Another one has been, um, this year I'm going to propose to my, to my, to my girlfriend. And I did it. And, and those were New Year's resolutions that were always like, and when you're thinking of New Year's re- resolution, you're always like trying to perfect, right? Like make, make your life a little bit more perfect, more beautiful, hopefully more Christ-like in a different way. But John is saying, you know what? You need a life resolution. You need a complete resolution that is for your life. And it's different than a New Year's resolution. The life resolution that he is suggesting is let us love one another. That your New Year's resolution would be this powerful statement of beloved, let us love one another. Or essentially, here's another way of rewording it. Let's be God's agape in the world. Like, that's a crazy concept, to be a God's agape in the world. And by the way, you're starting to think to yourself, that's not even possible. Like, I can't be God's agape in the world. I, the minute I try to do that New Year's resolution, I'm going to fail. I'm going to, like, I'm gonna like just like that New Year's resolution. I mean, last night, I, I had a resolution to, like, lose tons of weight, like, a, a month ago. Last night, I was eating a whole carton, a whole thing of Ben & Jerry's uh, tonight dough, which is incredible. It tastes like heaven. Confused by that. But then... That was after like 50 Lindor chocolates, which was like after like everything, every other cookie that was left in my house. I know you feel bad for me right now, right? <laughs> but I, I failed at that. Now, now, how am I ever going to achieve a true New Year's resolution to be God's agape in the world? Not a chance. I'm going to walk away from it. Don't talk to me anymore. That's exactly what John wants you to know. He wants you to know it's not possible for you to be God's agape in the world, not by your own power. That's where the gospel comes in and it says, God is able, this is from Ephesians, it's not in our scripture today, but God is able to accomplish far more than you can ever even ask or ever than you can even imagine. 
Try to think of the biggest thing in the world in the world that you could ever ask or imagine for yourself. God is able to accomplish 10 times more than that. That's awesome. Now listen how the scripture continues. It says these words. Now God's love was revealed among us in this way. Now that says that there was something that you couldn't see before that was not available. It was not po- like, like readily available to the world, but then God revealed it. He opened it up. He showed everything about his agape, everything. Actually, the scripture says there's no more, mer- no more mysteries. Once Jesus Christ, if anyone says, hey, there's a real secret I'd like to tell you about faith and mystery. There's some secret code. You could tell them that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says everything is made known to us through Jesus Christ. Everything is plainly made known to us. We don't need to know any, there's no secrets. Jesus makes it all known. That's, that's probably for some people a big, big revealing. And that's what John is saying. He's actually speaking to the Gnostics at the time that would have come in and say, you know, um, there's a secret. And if you, if you come over here, you can be part of the real church. Mm-mm. John's saying, this is the only truth. And it was revealed. Everything has already been revealed to everybody. And it says these words, God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. So that we might live through him. And there's the words, and I want you to read this just like first four words. Read them with me. In this is, wait, you guys are, are you awake? Okay, let's try it again. In this is love. There's the scripture right there. John is about to express to you and explain to you what love is. When you're trying to figure out what love is and you're out there picking up the dog poop in the backyard and you're trying to figure out all these things, he's about to tell you exactly what love is. And he says, in this is love, not that we loved God. Oh, you can keep reading with me. I like that. That's good. Who else wants to do that? You okay? Okay. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Like that's... That's amazing. Now you have to kind of rewind for a moment and see Jesus hanging on the cross. You have to rewind for a moment and see that moment of pain where Mary's looking up at her son hanging on the cross and Jesus is looking down at his mother standing there watching this and, and, and saying, "Would John, this is your mother now. You take her into your life. It's time that she experiences the agape from you. The pain, the depth of sacrifice, but it wasn't without a purpose. There was a reason for that sacrifice. And it's hard for any people to realize. I feel like it takes a whole entire lifetime for it to sink. Just like that song we were singing, deeper still, deeper still. The love, love, deeper still. Just soaking in this depth of truth that God, God's purpose was to save you was to rescue you from a life trajectory of always feeling like everything's all about new year's resolutions that you're never going to accomplish and always feeling like a failure but through jesus christ you become a success through jesus christ you experience victory through jesus christ you are lifted up and, and the scripture says it's not because God, not because we love God. That's not why. God's not doing it because like, like my dog. The reason I love my dog is because my dog is so awesome. My dog like listens. Seriously, I am so proud of her. She'll like, I've, yeah, Wendy knows my dog. My dog, like, like you leave the front door open and she wanders like a whole house away. I've had bad, do- like not bad dogs, but like pretty bad dogs in the past. And they're harder to love. 
Can you imagine how hard it is to love us? Once you like pull away all the veneer, God sees every thought that you have and every time that you don't talk to God or you do this thing or do that, you make a promise, you fall back on the promise or you just ignore God for like months on end. Do you know how hard, like, but at the same time, what the scripture says is that God, God doesn't love us because we love God. The first thing that happens, a lot of people get confused about this. The first thing that happens, this scripture is really clear. If you're wondering where this theology comes from, that it's God who loves us first, it's right there. God first loved us. God first loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice. Now, this is when John gets back to his central message. He says, beloved, agape ones. I love that. It's so cool. I'm always jealous of churches that call their church agape because I think that's like a really cool name for a church. Oh, Highlands is cool too. Agape ones, since God agaped us so much, we also ought to love one another. This is like, this is like John's surfer dude moment. Dude, God agaped us so much that we should agape each other. He likes Bill and Ted's a little bit. I tried. Scarily, I was coming close, right? <laughs> I'll take up surfing and then it'll be over. Um, that's like, he's saying, guys, agape, God agape does so much. We should just do it to each other. We should just like agape each other. That should just be the expression of God. And I love how he's like so into it. He's like, it's God, like, like he leans in on it. God agape does so much. Do you, do you feel that God agapes you so much? Now, this is how it happens. It almost feels like it's impossible. But then John, John acknowledges the, the impossibility going through your mind. You're thinking, no, this is not possible. And it says, John says, no one has ever seen God. We get that. But if we love one another, if we agape one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. Suddenly that thing that you've been searching for your whole entire life, that perfection, it happens. It's accomplished through the love. I had a great pastor who brought up a, a oh, this is the Bible. Okay, there was a great pastor who brought up a, um, a treadmill up, on, up on, into his worship service and he started walking on the treadmill and he said, now, have you noticed how hard it is to eat potato chips while you're on a treadmill? And he did it. And it's literally the most impossible thing in the world. When we are engaged in agapeing one another, when we are sent on missions, when we are engaged in loving one another, when we are spending time in community with one another, suddenly it becomes the other things are almost impossible to imagine happening at the same time. It's only when we're, when we, when we're left kind of, they say, to our own devices when we're not in community, when we're not expressing that. And then it goes on to say, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. See, that whole impossible situation is not impossible anymore because we have the spirit of God. We have the very essence of God in our life, the very essence of God giving us strength because of Jesus Christ. We have actually become this, this unity, this oneness, this at-one-ment, atonement that has been created because Jesus paid the ultimate price for us. Jesus conquered death. He didn't just die on a cross. He actually came back to life and conquered death and said, no, I want to make it clear. I have power over death. Not even death can, can, can finish this thing. Now, we have a lot of balloons up here, and I think it's so 
stinking cool. There's a thousand of them. Two of them popped, as Ben pointed out. So there's 998, which is amazing to me that there are 998 balloons. And I was thinking about, I don't know, is that amazing? No, they're like, that's stupid. He's, he finds things that amazing. Well, the reason I think it's amazing is like we had, a, we had a thousand people here for Christmas Eve. Isn't that cool? Like if you look at these balloons, like that's like how many people were filled up with the good news of Jesus Christ on Christmas Eve one week ago. That's why everyone's still tired. No, I'm kidding. They're coming. <laughs> um, someone's clapping. Yes, I'm still tired. <laughs> um, but a balloon is an interesting thing. There's like actually no life in a balloon. There's like nothing there. There's, it's just empty. If you take a balloon, there's nothing there. Unless you fill it, if you fill it with air, then suddenly a balloon just gains life and gains purpose. It makes sense. And, and it floats and it, and, and it, and it has utility. And it makes really fun sounds. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but that's like our life. So God says, I can take this. This is you and your life. And this is you trying to love other people. This is you trying to express God's goodness. This is you trying to live fully. And then he says, with the power of the Holy Spirit, with the breath. Another word for the Holy Spirit is the Hebrew word ruach. So say that. Say it. Ruach. You can actually say it without breathing deeply. Ruach, God fills us with the Holy Spirit, the Ruach of God. And we finally gain purpose and identity and joy. That's what God came for us to experience. Now, we are beginning this thing. It's not called the This Is Love sermon series. It's not called the This Is Love small group series. It's called the This Is Love campaign. And years ago, my wife and I, uh, I was the small group pastor here at Highlands years ago, and I didn't like small groups. I didn't want to have anything to do with small groups. But I was like, everybody sign up for a small group. And they're like, it was really hard to convince people. So I, I said, you know, since I've asked everyone in the church to sign up for a small group, maybe I should sign up. I should go to one too. And so I talked to my wife. She was my girlfriend at the time. And I said, can we go to this small group together. And I said, this is the only one that's left and all the other ones are full. So we're going to go to this one. It needs some extra people. There was like an 80-year-old guy and a single guy, an 80-year-old single girl, and lady, <laughs> woman. And, uh, and there was like this, this couple from the South. They were sweet, but they always had this kind of like surprise look. Ah, you know, like, like and um, we didn't know them. We didn't know any of them. So they were all essentially strangers to us. And so we went just kind of like, okay, we'll grin and bear it for four weeks. We'll see how it goes. We're going to be a part of this small group. Do you know what? We've been to, we went, I mean, we, we got, we were broke going out to restaurants back in the day. In Paso, you can get really poor going out to all the restaurants. Um, and we went out on dates. We were always trying to look for more, more fun things, kind of like more stuff to experience. And, um, and we had never experienced such good dates as the dates we experienced when we went to those small groups. The kind of depth of community, the kind of agape that we were experiencing in community with these other people was palpable. We could sense it. You know, the, um, the end of the scripture finishes with this beautiful, beautiful, and it's, it, wants to, it wants to provide total clarity about who Jesus Christ is in this equation. R- listen to this scripture. It says, and, and we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent his Son as the Savior of the world. Now, 
We're about to exceed, I'm like, New Year's is happening around the world. Last service, New Year's took place in Hanoi, in Vietnam, and in Jakarta, in Indonesia. Is that awesome? Does anybody know where it's happening right in like in 20 minutes? Does anybody know? I don't know. But I know that there's a country out there that is, that is about to explode with excitement. And, and Jesus Christ, it says here, it says these words, that the Father has sent his Son as the Savior of the world. Not just of you and me, but of every single person. Every single person that is celebrating out there tonight is, is looking for love. And I'm, I, I, just, I just remember those weird New Year's where you're always like avoiding, like, like New Year's is such one of the weirdest events like connected to love because like if you're single at a New Year's party, you want to like get away from the person who's like, so who are you kissing at midnight? You're like, ah! And then, and then you're like, oh, well, over here, let me see. So who are you kissing at midnight? And she's like, ah! And then, like, and then, you're, you, then you get to that point and you're like, you've never met a person, this person before in your life. And you're like, okay, just hope they don't have a disease or something. I don't know. And so then, so then you go and you're just happy that the kiss is like just, just moderately polite or something like that. Or just like it's, and then you're just like thankful the moment's over. Or else you just decide like that's not the right thing. And then you stand there in awkwardness, feeling as though maybe you're like not loved. That's how corrupt the world's concepts of love are. That, that, that we have this thing that weighs down over people's hearts and souls that says, you know what, you're not loved unless, um, loved unless you're having this particular experience in your life. And that's what John is preaching against. He says the world is going to try to define love in all these other ways, but we need to realign our understanding of what love is. So that when we are walking through life, when we are seeing opportunities to express God's love, when we see those people who are in need, when we look to the homeless, we look to our neighbors, when we look to the people who, who, are, who are needing help in this world, when we experience similar wounds to Jesus Christ on the cross, when we find pain in our life because we have decided to do something significant for another human being to live more fully, when we feel God calling us to sacrifice abundantly so that other people can experience fullness, those are the moments, those are the moments when, when we say, okay, this is love. And God rewrites the understanding of love that has been so misconstrued and twisted in our world. Will you pray? Let's stand. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful of this truth that you are the Savior of the world. Right now, our prayers are with those people who are gathered in city squares across the world in great anticipation of some big, momentous thing that will happen in their life. And Lord, we pray that you would answer their prayers with overflow, that they would realize that the thing that they're asking for in their life, the thing that they've been yearning for all of their life is you. And so God, we pray for those people that speak so many different languages and come from so many different backgrounds, but ultimately, Lord, we're all created by you. And we're all made to be brothers and sisters in one big family and to be called your children and to call you father. And so God, as we continue in worship, um, 
We pray that your spirit would fill us up like the balloons above. That we would, um, that we would start to have things happen in our lives that are more than we could ever ask or even imagine. And that our new year would be filled with this, um, this, this ambition to be your agape to our neighbors and our coworkers and our kids and their friends and every single person in this world. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.